Good morning, everybody. Happy Friday to you. Happy wet, rainy Friday. It is the uh, rainy end to a good week and another good week in the Word. Has it not been a really good week in the Word? We are in the book of Acts, which I love. We're going verse by verse, and uh, we are in chapter 18 today, verses 1 to 17. Chapter 18, verses 1 to 17. Let's jump right in. Uh, so Paul leaves Athens, where we talked about yesterday. He was at the you know Mars Hill, great moment of evangelism, and I uh, just told you about how much I love that passage. He leaves there and goes to Corinth. Corinth is about fifty miles west of Athens in Greece. In Paul's day, Corinth was, uh, I believe, the largest city in Greece. It was a maritime, uh, uh, an important naval, uh, uh, an, an important port important canal, important place for uh, trade by sea. And so uh, Corinth, uh, with its population, with its uh, 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 important place on trade routes, it, it was just became known as a very immoral city, kind of like Vegas today. I, I, don't, I don't know nothing against you, you know, Las Vegas people. <laughs> but in, in Paul's day, you know, to talk about, uh, to, to live like a Corinthian, you know, uh, was to live immorally. Uh, I believe that, you know, to Corinthianize was actually a word for, you know, to have sexual relations. So Corinth was really a pretty, you know, what, what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth kind of thing, uh, known for its immorality, uh, known for its, uh, you know, pagan Roman worship, all of that. Uh, and yet Paul goes there. Uh, Paul goes there and is one of his most important centers of ministry and gospel work. Uh, he gets there, he becomes acquainted. Apparently this is where he meets uh, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. Um, Aquila and Priscilla usually, uh, well, they're always named together. You never hear about one without the other. And most often, Priscilla is listed first, uh, which probably says in the early church, her ministry, her role was prized, sort of like Lydia. Uh, she was a very important woman, a very influential woman leader. Uh, and so Aquila and Priscilla are always named together. She's typically named first. Um, uh, this is the only place, verse 3 is the only place that we learn that Paul's a tent maker. We all know that because we learned it in Sunday school. Uh, but literally, verse 3 is the only place in, in Scripture where we just know that he's a tent maker. And we know it because it says that Paul lived in Corinth and worked with Priscilla and Aquila because they were tent makers like he was a tent maker. Tent makers were often leather workers. Tents were often made of leather, except for some which were made of a very fine fabric. And because of where Paul is from in Tarsus, uh, most people think that Paul is probably using the fabric. Uh, it's, it's just a side note there. But Paul's a tent maker. Never stopped being a tent maker. Uh, at best, you could say he's a bivocational preacher or missionary. Uh, but he's very proud of the fact that he typically earns his own way. He, he works uh, to support his ministry, and so that is how he uh, lives. Uh, it's interesting here, just a couple of things. Uh, in chapter 18, this passage actually gives us several uh, just important things that we can tag, and, and it lets us know exactly what year historically we're talking about. When it says they left Italy when Claudius had deported all of the Jews out of Rome, we know exactly exactly when that happened, somewhere around 49-50 AD. And so th th that lets us know when Paul comes to Corinth. Uh, it just kind of tags it with, with, with the date. There's something that is known from other sources. The scripture says, as is Paul's custom, he goes to the synagogue first. And it starts out by saying each Sabbath, you would find Paul there in the synagogue, you know, preaching to the Jews and the Greek God-fearers alike at the synagogue. And then verse 5 tells us Silas and Timothy come, and after that he preaches full-time. 
Now, like I just said, Paul works to support his ministry. And the fact that early on he's, you know, really only preached on the weekends kind of tells you that, you know, he, he's, he's working. Uh, but after Silas and Timothy come, he's preaching full time, which suggests to me, and tell me if you think I'm wrong. I'm just trying to make sense of things. It sounds to me like they probably brought a donation. Again, Paul typically works to support himself, but you'll find mention in several places where certain congregations did give him a love offering, so to speak, and they love to support him. And it sounds like Silas and Timothy have brought some kind of you know love offering that allows Paul to go back to preaching full-time. So after that, he's preaching full-time the, the Word of God and testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah, which gets him in trouble. You know it's always going to get him in trouble. Eventually, the Jews are going to have enough. The ones who don't believe are going to be offended. And so uh, they drive him out. Paul shakes the dust off his feet. And he says, your blood is upon your own heads, which is kind of a reference to Ezekiel, right? And he says, from now on, I'll just go preach to the Gentiles. Now, Paul's done this before. It's not Paul throwing a t tantrum. Uh, it's just Paul, you know, following their wishes. They, they don't want to hear. So he says, okay, okay, you, it's your choice to reject the gospel, but just understand now I'll take it to the Gentiles, which is what he does. Now, it's not a permanent universal declaration. I'm done with the Jews. That's not what he's saying. Paul's just saying right here locally in Corinth, you know, in this particular city, okay, I've, I've, I've done my duty of preaching the gospel to the Jews. They rejected it and now go to the Gentiles. And so he's no longer apparently in and out of the synagogue. He is, uh, you know, preaching predominantly in the marketplace to the Gentiles. If he goes to another city, when he goes to another city, he'll go back to the synagogue first. That is Paul's missionary strategy. Uh, does that make sense? So he leaves and goes to the home of Tatius Justus. Tatius Justus, who was a Gentile who worshiped God and lived next door to the synagogue. I don't know if that's kind of a, you know, in your face, like he's next door to rub it in, or if he just happened to live next door. Um, I don't know. Um, in some ways, to me, it seems to... If it's strategic, it's a way of leaving the door open to the Jews at the synagogue. You know, Paul still, he's not going across town and avoiding them. He just continues to, you know, have an open door toward the Jews at the synagogue, though they no longer have an open door toward him. He's next door at the house of Titus Justice, a Gentile. Uh, Crispus, the leader of the synagogue, and everyone in his house who believed in the Lord, and many others, you know, who followed Paul became believers and were baptized. So a couple of things. Crispus is mentioned in the book of 1 Corinthians um, as one of the people that Paul uh, baptizes personally, which I think is, is neat. Crispus and Gaius. Uh, we don't know who Gaius is, except in, I think it's the book of Romans, Paul mentions that he's staying uh, in Corinth with Gaius. So some people think that Gaius is the first name of Tatius Justice. Most Romans had three names, like I have Timothy Wade Harris. Uh, it might be Gaius, Tatius Justice. It could be you know, the three names because he lived with Gaius when he's in Corinth. And here it says he's living in Tatius Justice. In, in, in that case, uh, if Gaius is Tatius Justice, then that means that Paul would have baptized him as well. Again, just uh, you, you don't have to remember all that. Uh, verses 9 to 11, Paul has another visitation, another vision of Jesus who comes to encourage him just to say, don't be afraid, speak out, uh, don't be silent, I'm with you. Uh, it's just another one of those moments, almost like the burning bush, you know, with Moses. You know, uh, it's a recommissioning for Paul, but also just an assurance, don't be afraid, uh, don't, don't, don't ever stop preaching, I I'm with you. 
And so from that point on, it says Paul stayed. Uh, Corinth is, is at this place the first city where Paul has just stayed for an extended period of time to preach the gospel. And here it is uh, a year and a half, about 18 months there when he's going to preach. And Jesus assures him, I'll, I'll be with you. Uh, if you needed any instant you know, evidence that Jesus will keep that promise, he goes into the courtroom of Agalio, the governor of Achaia, where some Jews you know, rise up and bring Paul in before the governor for judgment. Now, this is an important scene. I, I think you've heard me say, I personally believe that Luke is writing the book of Acts, Luke Acts together, as court evidence in the trial of Paul. I, I really do believe that. I think that probably... Uh, you know, the one to whom the book of Acts is addressed and also the, the book of Luke. I believe that he's probably some official in the trial uh, of Paul and that somehow Luke and Acts are figuring into Paul's defense. And I think this is one of those places that becomes important because this establishes legal precedent. Uh, Gallio, who was a governor, a Roman governor, here has an opportunity to pass judgment on, on Paul, and, and the charges are vague. He's breaking the law. <laughs> He's breaking the law. You know, they accuse Paul of persuading people to worship God in ways that are contrary to the law. Well, what law? Like, tell me what law. Um, obviously, Gallio didn't fall for this mess because there is no law, you know, no Roman law that Paul is breaking. So Gallio just kicks them all out. It's Gallio's refusal. He just kind of says, this sounds like a Jewish thing to me, you know. Sounds like y'all are arguing over Jewish things that, that, that I don't have any interest in, and it doesn't pertain to Roman law at all. So, you know, get your tail ends out of my courtroom, which is what he does. He kicks them all out. Now, he's not taking Paul's side. He kicks Paul out too, you know. But again, the legal precedent is that the charges against Paul have nothing to do with Roman law. It's a, it's a Jewish thing. Get out of here. You know, so again, probably an important legal precedent from Luke's perspective. At this point, it says that they're thrown out in the crowd, attacks Sosthenes, the leader of the synagogue. And at first, I'm a little thrown out because I'm thinking, wait a minute, I thought Crispus was the leader of the synagogue, because that's what we were just told in verse 7. So it's like, wait, who's the leader of the synagogue? Well, it used to be Crispus, but the scripture tells us that Crispus got saved. Crispus becomes a follower of Jesus. Uh, you know, Paul baptizes him. And so uh, chances are you don't get to be the leader of the synagogue when the Jews already kicked Paul out. You know, you don't get to be the leader of the synagogue if you become a Christian. So, so I would say Crispus is moved out. There's a new leader of the synagogue. Uh, on top of that, we're told that Paul's there for 18 months, a year and a half, you know. And so for that reason, Sosthenes is obviously, you know, the new leader of the synagogue. He's the one that followed Crispus. And there's some period of time that passes here. It could be, you know, a, a number of months, as much as a year, 18 months at the most. So just understand that Sosthenes is not any sort of contradiction or, or uh, you know, confusion there. Sosthenes is the leader of the synagogue now. We don't know who the mob is mad at. We don't know if they're attacking Jews, if the Gentile, the Romans are attacking Jews here, if the Jews are inside of the mob or, and somehow Sosthenes gets caught up in that. Uh, we do know that Gallio doesn't care. He doesn't see that as any of his business. It's not his concern uh, who gets beat up outside his courtroom. And um, we also know that Sosthenes later, if it's, the, it's not an uncommon name, but it's most likely that Sosthenes also becomes a believer because the first letter to the Corinthians is sort of co-signed from Paul and Sosthenes. 
So Sassanis becomes a believer and a, and a ministry partner to Paul. So, so there you go. I love all of that. One more thing. I mentioned the important places in the chapter 18 where you can you know, pin dates down. Gallio is well, um, uh, well documented throughout, throughout history in sources outside of Scripture. We know that, that he was uh, serving in this role as a governor uh, between, the, between the years 51 and 52. And so that just sort of gives us a window of Paul's 18 months at Corinth, uh, somewhere in the, those early, early 50s. So probably, you know, between 50 and 54, something like that. That's when Paul would have spent his 18 months at Corinth. Uh, so anyway, let's pick up here on Monday morning. We'll be in chapter 18. We'll pick up in verse 18. Chapter 18, verses 18 to 28, all right? Monday morning. If you don't have a church home, and I'd love to see you at Woodburn Baptist on Sunday morning, 8, 9, 30, 11. I'm continuing the message series entitled, I Have My Doubts. Uh, I love you guys so much. You guys make me better. I'm telling you, these several years down the word with you, uh, it means a lot to me. Thank you for your faithfulness. Those of you who are going to join me and Ben's watch this weekend, welcome. Glad you could be a part of it as well. Stay faithful, stay in the word, and I'll see you, if not Sunday, Monday morning at 10 o'clock for Tim with Tim. I love you all. Have a great, great Friday.